Thank you very much. It's great to be with you tonight. I have a question for you to start out. How many of you have seen the movies, the recent movies, The Hobbit, or read the classic book by J.R.R. Tolkien? We have some Hobbit fans in the room. It's like, well, if you aren't familiar with the story, it's a story of a Hobbit named Bilbo Baggins, who enjoys his rather quiet life in the Shire, but is then called on an unexpected journey. Gandalf, the wizard, and dwarves come to his door and ask him to go along and help on this great quest to find this great treasure. He's reluctant at first. He's very afraid because he's comfortable in his house and in his lifestyle. The way things are going, he's familiar with all of it. But eventually he decides to say yes anyways, and he goes on this unexpected journey. Well, if you trace the story, he leaves his home of Bag End. He goes through forests, caves, cities, fields, eventually makes it to the mountain where this great treasure is discovered. He undertakes this journey, and as a result, he's changed by it. Although he wouldn't have said yes at first, his yes results in great transformation. And he discovers great riches, but of course it wasn't without great expense. The journey had many perils and many ups and downs, many challenges. But I think if you were to ask Bilbo Baggins, he would say he never regretted taking that journey. In fact, sometimes he probably wondered, why me? Why was I chosen for this? Why would I take this journey that would transform me and change me and open me up to see a whole new world and discover great things? Well, I share that because my journey to the Catholic faith has many parallels with Bilbo's journey. It was in many ways an unexpected journey. Like him, I was reluctant to even begin the journey. In fact, a few years ago, if you would have told me that I would become Catholic, I would have looked at you and told you you're crazy. It was not at all on my radar. Uh, the only interest I had in Catholicism was converting Catholics. <laughs> I was a Protestant missionary, and I came across plenty of Catholics in my uh, days as a missionary, and, and our goal oftentimes was to help them come out of the church and see the truth and become Protestant. Well, it was not only an unexpected journey, but it was a journey with many ups and downs, many challenges, uh, many things along the way, but I really truly believe that at the end of the day, I've discovered a great treasure, and it was worth all of the expenses along the journey. Sometimes I wonder, why me? Why, God, did you call me to take this journey? But at the same time, although I was reluctant along the way, I'm very thankful that I said yes and took this journey that led me to the fullness of the faith in the Catholic Church. I grew up in a faith-filled Protestant home. My parents taught me about Jesus Christ from an early age and in so many ways modeled the Christian life to me. I also had a strong Christian heritage from my grandparents. In fact, my uh, grandfather on my dad's side had been a Presbyterian missionary in Pakistan, and my grandfather on my mother's side had been a Reformed minister. So I have a strong Protestant heritage, and I grew up coming to love Jesus Christ 
loved the scriptures, and I became very passionate about my faith. I eventually became very active in my evangelical church, came to love my faith more and more, and as I became more passionate about it, I wanted to share it more and more. Because of my uh, grandfather's work as a missionary, I had a special interest in missions work from an early stage, and I had desires to become a pastor. And so when I went off to college in Minnesota to a small evangelical school, it was no surprise to most that I became a theology major. I intended to be a pastor and maybe do some missions work along the way too. Well, after I graduated from college in 2009, some of those dreams that I had of doing full-time ministry began to become a reality. 2009, immediately after graduating from college, I started working as a Protestant missionary for an organization where I had the privilege of serving the Lord in the Middle East. So basically my work involved um, living in Minnesota, but traveling on a very regular basis over to places like Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Iraq, and Egypt. We'd go for a week or two, take a team, and we'd do everything from door-to-door -door evangelization, teaching conferences, medical and humanitarian aid. We'd take the light of Christ to these people and share with them, trying to get people to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. And in this work, of course, we came across Muslims, Jews, and yes, Catholics. And we were usually out to convert them. I love this work. In fact, it was the type of work where I oftentimes felt like I had to pinch myself in order to find out that I wasn't dreaming. Uh, because it was a great joy. I got to share the faith that I loved. I got to travel the world. I got to spend time with great people, learn a lot along the way. So I felt very blessed to be used by God to reach some of the most difficult parts of the world with the gospel. But at the same time, I was still planning to go on to Protestant seminary and become a pastor. But unbeknownst to me, my experiences in the Middle East would lead me down a path I never would have seen coming. Over time, unexpectedly, I fell head over heels for the Catholic faith. It was not love at first sight, nor was it a relationship that developed easily. In fact, it was a completely unexpected journey. But looking back, I see the providence of God leading me here. Step by step, God changed my heart, unveiling his bride, the church, and showing me the truth of Catholicism. But it was quite a journey to get there. Let's go back to 2009. I'm just beginning as a Protestant missionary, and my first trip was for training purposes to Israel. On this trip, our team spent much of our time visiting the homes of people throughout the land to share about Jesus Christ with them. And I vividly remember one of those days, we were in a city that had a pretty significant Catholic population. We're going door to door, talking with people, and we ended up visiting uh, two Catholic homes. And because of the Catholic population there, and this is a training trip for me, a veteran missionary takes me aside and tells me, this is how to evangelize the Catholics. This is 
these are the verses you use, these are the things you say, this is exactly what you do to help them see the light and leave the church. Well, we visited two Catholic homes that day, and um, the, at the second one, an Arab woman answered the door. In typical Arab hospitality. She welcomed us in and gave us something to eat. And we sat down, and we're going to begin conversation, and it didn't take too long. In fact, once we stepped through the door, we knew that this was a Catholic home. We saw crucifixes, icons, and a very large Marian shrine in the corner of the living room. We knew she needed to be converted. <laughs> so we, we sat down, we started sharing with her. We typically open up the Bible and start talking about some verses and talking about our faith and sharing with her uh, why we were there. Well, to our surprise, she goes and gets her large, well-used Bible and she joins right in in our little Bible study, and she starts quoting verse after verse, and she's all excited. She's very passionate about the Scripture, and I, we can tell that she's very knowledgeable about the Scriptures. In fact, I soon started to realize that uh, even though I had a theology degree, she probably knew more about the Bible than I did. So I was thinking, how in the world could a Catholic know the Bible so well? This was perplexing to me. Well, after a good discussion and some prayer, we said our goodbyes and moved on, thinking we had failed to convert her. <laughs> and of course, I kept on mulling over that experience. On the one hand, I thanked God for her passion for Scripture, but on the other hand, I prayed she would realize the lies of Catholicism and come to be free from all those meaningless rituals and traditions. Of course, I was especially thinking of the Marian shrine in her living room. You see, at the time, I believed that while there could be Catholics who have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, and therefore are true Christians in my book, this was in spite of the Catholic Church, not because of it. And ideally, I believed that they would come to realize the lies of Catholicism and leave the Church for Protestantism. In fact, this lined up perfectly with my experience for I knew plenty of people who had left the Catholic Church and become Protestant, but I realized that these were just perceptions at the time. I didn't know a whole lot about Catholicism. I didn't have a whole lot of facts to back up my ideas, but I soon found myself needing to learn more. Well, about the same time as this trip, and I'm beginning my work as a Protestant missionary, one of my roommates, and closest friends became engaged to a Catholic, of all people. <laughs> so out of concern for my friend, I tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> Using my newly received theology degree, I, I tried to come up with reason after reason why I thought Catholic teachings were wrong. But my protests were unsuccessful, and they ended up getting married in the Catholic Church. Ironically, this friend of mine would later become Catholic one year after I did, and he was motivated by my conversion to do so. And God has a sense of humor. <laughs> so they got married. Um, I was a groomsman at the wedding. This was in January of 2010. And I remember going to the wedding not 
knowing what to expect. I'd never been to a Catholic wedding before, so I'm thinking, what strange things are going to take place here, what false teachings are going to be proclaimed. I was rather skeptical. But, to my surprise, I actually found the wedding to be very beautiful. Moreover, I found that there was a very beautiful bridesmaid across the aisle. Her name was Anna, and I enjoyed getting to know Anna at the wedding. In fact, I even got up the guts to ask her on a, for a dance. So we got to know each other a little bit, and I gleaned enough information to find out that she's Catholic. <laughs> well, after that weekend, we both had a little bit of mutual inter interest in one another, but I was skeptical. She was, of course, skeptical of my faith. I was maybe more skeptical of her faith. And I remember thinking to myself, if only she wasn't Catholic. <laughs> I even told a friend of mine a few days after the wedding something like, it was a beautiful wedding, and I'm happy for my friends, but I could never marry a Catholic. <laughs> Again, I think God has a sense of humor. Well, despite our reservations, Anna and I began communicating long distance. The distance became even longer when I soon took another trip to the Middle East. February of 2010, I traveled to Jordan for a medical mission trip. And it was during this trip that I had some profound conversion moments. Our team was providing a week-long free medical clinic for a Jordanian village. We were also spending time visiting Jordanian homes in order to share the gospel and care for their physical needs. A friend of mine was part of the team. And one night, he was with a small group who visited a Catholic home. He observed in this family a genuine love for each other, expressed primarily through the parents' sacrificial love for their disabled child. He found this love to be beautiful and viewed it as a fruit of their Catholic faith. But another group member didn't have the same perception. Because the family was Catholic, she proceeded to share the gospel with them as if they were not Christians. She then asked them if they would like to pray to receive Christ into their hearts, and they agreed. So she led them in the sinner's prayer to repent and accept Christ as their Savior. And once finished, she told them, Now you can know that when you die, you will go to heaven. You are now a part of the kingdom of God. Welcome to the family, acting as if they had never been Christians before. Well, when tell, telling me about this later, my friend was irate. It angered him that she would treat this family, which he saw Christ's love manifest in, as, they, as though they were not Christians. As he shared his frustration with me, he said something like, you should not assume that just because someone is Catholic, they're not a Christian. Rather, you should assume Catholics have a genuine relationship with Christ unless you are shown otherwise should not judge someone before you know them. Immediately, Anna came to mind. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit of judging her and assuming things about her faith before I even knew her or knew her faith. So the Lord was beginning to get my attention. Well, on that same trip, just a few days later, I had another profound moment of conversion. I was sitting in on a men's Bible study at a Jordanian evangelical church. The topic was marriage. So I began to think and pray about my future marriage 
asking God to lead me to whom I should marry. As I was meditating on these things, God gave me a very clear image of Anna, coupled with peace and the sense of God saying to me, she is the one I want you to marry. In fact, it was so clear to me that it seemed like God said it in an audible voice. For the rest of the trip, I had to mull over this and wrestle with, was this truly God speaking? Is it just something I ate? (laughs) I don't know what's going on here. I was asking questions like, could God really be telling me to marry Anna? How could this be? And I was especially thinking, God, you know she's Catholic, right? (laughs) So I had many reservations, wondering how it would ever work. I'm a Protestant missionary, she's Catholic. Yet, yet I couldn't shake the experience. I needed to discern whether or not this was God's will. Therefore, I continued to pray about it. So after much further prayer and mulling over that experience, I decided to intentionally seek to get to know Anna better, thinking that probably wouldn't be wise for me to just go up to her, propose, and say, God told me to marry you. <laughs> Agreed? No, I'm sorry. So I decided to you know, take our time step by step and uh, get to know her, get to know her faith, let her get to know me, get to know my faith, and um, we'd see where it would all lead. And I basically realized that if it were truly God's will for me, he would guide us both there. So Anna and I started to get to know one another, and we eventually started dating. During this early stage, we could have conversations about our faith and not have a whole lot of conflict, especially because our relationship was long distance. Through this time, I came to realize that Anna has a solid relationship with Jesus Christ. Her faith is very important to her, and I admired that. At the same time, I was thinking to myself that if things are going to work out for us, she would have to become Protestant. And again, I knew plenty of people who had taken that journey, and so I thought this was no big deal. You know, just give it a matter of time, she'll realize the lies of Catholicism, the truth of Protestantism, no-brainer. Besides, I'm a Protestant missionary. I can certainly convince her. And I didn't. <laughs> guess I didn't realize how arrogant and naive I was. Well, my journey continued when I traveled back to Israel on another mission trip in May of 2010. On that trip, One day, my uh, team of young adults was street evangelizing in Jerusalem. And basically, we would set up a table with a bunch of Christian literature. Uh, We'd talk to anyone willing to talk to us as they're walking by. People in Jerusalem from all different walks of life pass out this literature and try to share with them the good news. Well, when we were doing that, a young man came up and started talking to one of my team members. They were engaged in conversation for quite some while, so I decided to go over and find out what they were talking about. I came to discover this man was Catholic. He was doing a little bit of his own evangelization. In fact, I learned a little bit of his story and found out that he had been raised Catholic in Canada, had left the church, become Protestant for a number of years, and then returned to the Catholic Church. When he told me this, I didn't know what to say. I was perplexed. I'd never, ever heard of anyone doing that. He seemed like a faithful, 
uh, knowledgeable guy. He was even getting his doctorate in theology in Jerusalem. Why would he ever do that? Why would he leave Protestantism and become Catholic? This piqued my curiosity. So I came home from that trip with a new interest in the Catholic faith. And about the same time, Anna uh, got a job, she finished college, she moved up to uh, the Twin Cities where I was living at the time, and uh, she started a new job as a nurse. And so with living in the same city, we now started to have to wrestle with the practical differences of our faith. Um, do we, you know, do we go to her church on Sunday? Do we go to my church? Well, we decided I would go to Mass with her and she would come to my evangelical church with me. So I remember in June of 2010, Feast of Corpus Christi, I attended Mass for the very first time. We went to the big cathedral of St. Paul, and I found it to be a beautiful church, but the liturgy was very foreign to me. I couldn't follow what was going on, didn't know when to stand, sit, kneel, when to say what, or any of the songs being sung. So honestly, it was a very uncomfortable and even very frustrating experience for me. But thankfully, I didn't give up just yet. I had a little motivation, wanted to impress Anna. Um, so I kept coming back to Mass, trying it out, learning, starting to understand a little bit more of what's going on. And this led to more questions. In essence, I began to wonder why do Catholics have all the beliefs and practices they do? I realized I, I needed to understand the Catholic faith better. First, my motivation, to be honest, was to learn so I could convince Anna of how wrong it was, but I still tried to learn. So I started studying. Over that summer, I read uh, books by people like Scott Hahn, Mother Teresa, among others, researched online, started reading as much as I could about Catholic teachings and practices. And the more I read, the more I was intrigued. I hadn't heard many of these things before. I found that many of my perceptions of Catholicism did not line up with what the faith actually teaches. I also started realizing there were many people out there like that man I had met in Jerusalem who had been faithful practicing Protestants but through much study and prayer, chose to become Catholic. This perplexed me, it also intrigued me. Well, a watershed moment came when I read this book, Rome Sweet Home by Scott and Kimberly Hahn, which recounts their long and hard journey from being uh, faithful Protestant ministers to the Catholic Church. Ironically, I read most of it on a plane ride to and from Israel on another mission trip. Of course, I was reading it very discreetly on the plane. <laughs> my team, not too far away. But their story was so genuine and well-articulated, it challenged me. In fact, my gut reaction to the book was, oh no, I think I might have to become Catholic. <laughs> and it really wasn't oh no at that point. I simply couldn't argue with their story and their explanations of Catholic teachings. I realized I needed to explore further. So I got back from that trip and I soon signed up for RCIA. 
decided it's worth giving it a try. It's a place to go learn and get to know the Catholic faith better. But when I met with the director of RCIA to get signed up, I wasn't really ready to share my interests, my curiosity so much yet, so I told him very adamantly, I have absolutely no intention of becoming Catholic. I'm just here to learn about my fiance's faith. And so I showed up, I came, he said, you're welcome, come on in, learn. It was a great experience coming to these sessions and learning, and um, more than that, having a face put on Catholicism, because I got to meet people and see the faith lived out in real life Catholics. Still, as RCA got underway, I'd usually sit in the sessions with a rather skeptical attitude, try to pick apart the holes and things in what was being taught, but it started to have an impact on me. In fact, uh, it wasn't more than a month into the RCA experience that oftentimes I was sitting in those sessions on the brink of tears. I was realizing that I had been wrong about Catholicism. I was realizing that I had judged it before really getting to know it. I was seeing the beauty there, especially in the people's lives. And I especially saw this in my sponsor. He and his wife had just gone through RCA the year before, journeying over from Protestantism, so we had a lot in common. And our weekly one-on-one -on -one meetings became uh, sessions of edification, challenging sessions, times of learning. But the biggest thing was I could go to him, I could bring my concerns and questions, and he would walk the journey with me, helping me to understand. And oftentimes he knew exactly what I was going through because he had been there himself. My hardness toward the Catholic Church was beginning to soften, and my heart was being changed. Well, in the midst of all of this, October of 2010, Anna and I got engaged. We had discerned that God was calling us to marriage. And I was becoming more comfortable with the fact that she was not going to leave the Catholic Church. In fact, we made plans to get married in a Catholic Church. With this commitment, I knew I needed to sort things out with the Catholic faith. I believe the path ahead of me was pointing to Rome, but I needed to become more at peace with that before committing. If you get to know me a little bit, you know that I'm not one to rush into a decision. I take my time, I'm cautious, and I want to be sure before I go for it so I can really jump in with both feet. And I knew that this decision uh, had to be made separately from my decision to marry Anna. In other words, I was committed to become Catholic only if I was sure it was God's will for my life even if Anna were totally out of the picture. I wanted to be so convinced that, like I said, I could jump in with both feet. So this took much more prayer and studying and wrestling. Along the journey, I discovered many of my perceptions of Catholicism were flat out wrong, but some of the real teachings of the church were still difficult for me to embrace. Many were totally foreign to my Protestant thinking and a handful of these became make-or-break issues for me. I came to realize that Protestants and Catholics could not both be right on issues they clearly disagree on. I was seeking after the truth, wanted nothing but the truth. So I was wrestling with, is Catholicism true or not? That was the pivotal key question in this whole journey.
And I knew that if it is, then I would need to become Catholic. But if it isn't, then I knew I should run in the other direction and try to take as many people as I could with me, including Anna. So the big issues for me became teachings on the Eucharist, authority, and the Blessed Virgin Mary, among others. So allow me to explain a few of these further. Regarding the Eucharist, I knew Catholics claim the bread and wine in communion becomes the body and blood of Christ, but I did not know much more about Catholic teaching on the Eucharist. It's pretty naive. Uh, the Protestant church I had grown up in, we would celebrate communion once a month with bread and grape juice, and we believe communion is merely symbolic. So to me, the Catholic teachings on the Eucharist were strange, superstitious, and man-made. My journey with the Eucharist was both intellectual and experiential. On the one hand, I studied the theology and looked at the claims for defending Catholic teachings from the Bible and history. On the other hand, my regular experiences of the Mass and of Eucharistic adoration were instrumental in my journey. The more I attended Mass, the more I began to see the beauty in the liturgy and recognize how jam-packed it is with Scripture. Over time, I realized the Mass is what worship is supposed to look like. There's order, there's ritual, there's reverence, there's silence, and there's sacrifice. I was beginning to see the truth, beauty, and goodness of Catholicism. Moreover, I was beginning to find Jesus in the Eucharist. I remember the first time I attended Eucharistic Adoration, Anna had invited me to a young adult service night. We went to a Catholic nursing home run by sisters, we played bingo with the residents. So, fun night, and afterwards, uh, we gathered in their chapel there for an hour of Eucharistic adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. Anna had told me we were going to adoration, but I had no idea what that meant. I just figured this was a prayer service comparable to what I had experienced in Protestantism. So we went into the chapel, sat in the pew, it began, I knelt with everyone else, just tried to follow along. Then the nuns brought out the monstrance, encasing the Blessed Sacrament, and they displayed it on the altar. I had no idea at this point what was going on. In fact, I remember thinking when they put it on the altar, that's a nice decoration. I wonder what that's for. I had no idea that that was encasing the Eucharist and that our adoration was directed towards the Eucharist. In fact, if you would have told me that at the time, I would have been uh, probably rather frustrated and maybe would have gotten up and left uh, because my perception was then we're directing our adoration towards a piece of bread. I didn't believe in the real presence. Thankfully, I didn't know that. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Um, and so I just dove right into a nice time of prayer. And the time seemed to fly by, and I, I even remember thinking towards the end, I haven't felt this close to God in a while. The time of prayer was richer and deeper than I had experienced in quite some time. I felt the presence of God there, and I couldn't explain it. I walked away thankful for the time to sit and commune with God, not even realizing that the fullness of his tangible presence was there in the Blessed Sacrament. Well, eventually I came to know what adoration is really about, 
And I, I was a bit skeptical, but I decided to continue to try it out anyways. So Anna signed up for a weekly holy hour at a local perpetual adoration chapel, and she invited me to come along. Uh, the only problem was the hour she signed up for was from 1 to 2 in the morning. So maybe she was testing my commitment. Um, so although I do enjoy my beauty sleep, I uh, decided to go with her periodically, of course, mostly to impress her. Partially, I was curious, though. And I remember sitting in the chapel in the middle of the night, multiple times, just trying to stay awake, but also wrestling with this whole Eucharist thing. Sometimes I would even think, God, are you okay with me being here? You know, kind of ducking for cover, wondering if uh, lightning might strike because I was praying before what I viewed as a wafer of bread. But at the same time, God started to open up my heart, and I started to pray things like, God, if you are really present here, if that wafer really is the real presence of Jesus, then please show me. I was opening myself up to that possibility. I'd already been reading about the scriptural support for the Eucharist, like the Bread of Life Discourse in John 6, reading the Church Fathers and hearing their teachings on the real presence. And over time, this teaching was beginning to become more black and white for me. Basically, I realized that the Catholic claim about the real presence in the Eucharist is either true or it is not. Either Jesus really is present in the Eucharist or he isn't. And this makes all of the difference. I realized that if the Catholic Church is right about this, then I had to become Catholic. Why? Because if Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, then there is no other place I would rather be than with him. On the other hand, if the real presence is not true, then I could never become Catholic because Catholics would then be bread worshipers, making them idolaters. This was the make or break teaching for me. So I continued to ask God to show me the truth on this issue, and he did. One day while I was attending Mass, I was praying during the liturgy of the Eucharist that God would show me whether or not he is present in the Eucharist. All of a sudden, he gave me the eyes of faith, and I simply knew in my heart it was him there. I can't explain it, but that is when I began to believe in the real presence. All my studying was convincing me intellectually, but this experience gave me the faith to accept it. It still took me a while before I felt confident enough to share that with others, but I knew deep down that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, and I couldn't wait to be able to receive him in Holy Communion. But I still had much to work through before I would be ready to be received into full communion with the Catholic Church. So as a Protestant, I had grown up loving the scriptures, learning the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, for which I'm very thankful. And for me, as a Protestant, the Bible is the central and only authority for my life as a Christian. But I later came to realize that the Bible alone is not enough. In college, as a theology major, I came to recognize the challenge of interpreting the Bible. 
In Protestantism, there are many different interpretations of Scripture, resulting in many denominational divisions. But how can we know which interpretation is correct? It seemed to me that there must be some way of resolving different interpretations, or Christianity is just left to continue to splinter exponentially over disagreements about the same book. In fact, I graduated college with more questions than answers, thinking I would have quite a bit to sort out in Protestant seminary before I'd ever feel confident standing up in front of a congregation as a pastor and teaching anything, because I felt like I was going it on my own. I had to figure this all out on my own. By the time when those questions were raised in my mind, I never would have considered Catholicism to have the answer. But as I later began studying the Catholic faith and learning, I soon discovered that it does, in fact, have the answer. It has the answer in the authority of tradition and the magisterium, the magisterium being the college of bishops headed by the Pope. I found that not only does uh, an authoritative interpreter of Scripture make sense, but that the Catholic Church fits the bill for this, fits with what Christ promised about the Church and how things have played out historically after the time of the Apostles. The Church provides a context within which to correctly understand the Bible. Therefore, I was no longer left to figure it all out on my own. I realized that the Catholic Church was established by Jesus and is guided by the Holy Spirit in order to preserve the truth God has revealed to us. So in addition to the Eucharist, the authority issue was the linchpin of my conversion. Because basically, if I could come to trust that the Catholic Church was divinely established by Christ and is guided by the Holy Spirit, then what else was keeping me from becoming Catholic? I knew where my journey was headed, but there's still some other things I wanted to sort out first. One example, Catholic Marian teachings. These were very difficult for me, coming from Protestantism. They were foreign to my thinking, and in my mind, any attention given to Mary automatically takes away attention from Jesus. I thought Catholics worship Mary as a sort of goddess. So a big step was realizing what Catholicism actually teaches about Mary and why, that Catholics don't worship Mary, they honor her, and that they actually have a good reason to do so. This was totally new to my thinking. But I realized that Jesus loves and honors his mother and that we're to imitate him um, as Christians. So when I started realizing some of these things, the Marian teachings were beginning to click. Basically, I came to understand that honoring Mary does not take away anything from Jesus, but actually brings honor and glory to him. In fact, he would want to share his love for his mother with his followers. A couple of statements I read during my journey helped me sort this out. First, Mary always leads us to her son, Jesus. She's not trying to lead us away or take away any attention. She, in fact, wants to bring us to Jesus and wants to bring glory to him. And second, no one can love and honor Mary more than Jesus. I'd never thought about that before. Jesus loves and honors his mother so much that we're to imitate him, but none of us can outdo him in his love for Mary. In fact, I came to realize that by neglecting Mary as a Protestant, I had been missing out on a big part of my relationship with Jesus. 
Mary is who she is because God made her that way. By honoring his creation, we do not take away from his glory, but come to appreciate it more fully. Just think of how absurd it would sound to say that praising a piece of beautiful artwork in any way takes away praise from the artist. Rather, artists are honored when their artwork is recognized, and so God is honored and glorified when Mary is recognized for the beautiful way God has made her and the profound role she has played in salvation history. We could probably see that as I was wrestling with these issues, my protests against Catholicism were quickly crumbling. But it wasn't an easy process or an automatic conversion. There were many ups and downs and many periods of doubt and times of feeling lost. In fact, I went through a period of feeling like I was in a no man's land. I didn't feel like I belonged in Protestantism anymore. I didn't feel like I quite yet belonged in Catholicism yet, so I'm kind of in this in-between, not sure what to believe, not sure where I'm at in my faith. And my, Catholic, my exploration of Catholicism was beginning to strain some relationships with my family and friends. Many people close to me were adamantly trying to talk me out of becoming Catholic. I also began to realizing that becoming Catholic would require me to discontinue the work that I loved as a missionary. I mean, a Catholic probably wouldn't make a very good Protestant missionary, would they? <laughs> and of course, becoming Catholic would change my long-term goal of becoming a Protestant pastor. Catholic wouldn't make a very good one of those either. Um, these things put me in a difficult place and made me take this decision all the more seriously. Most of all, I wanted to do the will of God, but in the midst of the many voices speaking into my situation, his voice was sometimes very difficult to hear. So I decided to get away on a prayer retreat to try to push aside all the many voices trying to tell me what to do and just take the time to listen to God. I wanted to be absolutely sure that becoming Catholic was God's will, especially because of the great expense it would result in and the change, slight change in direction as far as my future would go. So in March of 2011, I spent two days and two nights in a secluded prayer cabin at a retreat center. I was praying, fasting, and reading, trying to hear the voice of God. And it was there that I finally came to peace with knowing God was leading me to the Catholic Church. It was a joyous and yet difficult realization. I knew following God's will is always best and the most fulfilling path to take in life. But I didn't look forward to the strain and relationships this would cause. And when I returned, I shared my decision with others, and of course there were mixed reactions. Anna was relieved and excited, but many of my friends and family were disappointed, confused, and even appalled. I soon told my supervisor for the missionary organization, who was a fallen away Catholic himself, and he quickly reported back to me that the president of the organization made very clear I would need to resign immediately upon my reception into the church, and I could no longer lead mission trips. Although I had known this was coming, it was a hard pill to swallow. 
With this decision made, I then prepared to be received into full communion with the church at the Easter Vigil in April of 2011. During that Lent, I led my last mission trip with that organization, taking a team to the northern regions of Iraq. Ironically, we spent much of our time in a village that housed seven Catholic churches and had a nearly 99% Catholic population. I even attended Mass there on Sunday. But I no longer had any desire to evangelize them. My desire at that time was to be one of them. God had changed my heart, transformed me to see the Catholic faith through different eyes. After I returned from that trip, I prepared to the final preparations for being received. Uh, part of that was going to confession for the first time. My first experience, I have to be honest, was a bit daunting. I didn't know what to expect and what's behind that door. Um, didn't know exactly what to say or how to go about it, but the priest was very gracious. He listened to my laundry list from the past 24 years of my life. And I have to say that when I left the confessional, I felt as light as a feather. I was assured that the sins of my past were dealt with, and God had poured out his grace upon me. I can't say that going to confession has gotten easier over time, or that I've always felt, like go felt so good after going, but I can't imagine what my life would be like without that beautiful sacrament. Going to confession regularly has been a tremendous help in my walk with God. I'm truly grateful for the great gift of confession and the opportunity I now have to experience it as a Catholic. Well, the big night came, Easter Vigil, and we're into Holy Week. This is my first time experiencing Holy Week as a almost Catholic, with Catholic practices and all that's done. And as we commemorated the pivotal events of that week, I remember feeling a small taste of the pain Christ must have felt in being ostracized from those he loved. Yet I experienced the joy of the resurrection in finding a fuller Christian life through my, my reception into the Catholic Church. I remember waking up on Holy Saturday after a very short night, because my roommate had kept me up very late, still trying to talk me out of becoming Catholic. So I woke up Holy Saturday morning, big day, and I remember thinking, I bet this is how I will feel on my wedding day. Our wedding uh, was still about three months off at that time. I had feelings that were a mixture of excitement, anticipation, fear. I had those butterflies in my stomach. I was looking forward to being received in the church. Yet I was thinking things like, what am I getting myself into? How well do I even know the Catholic faith? What is life going to look like after the Easter Vigil? Am I making the right decision? But at the same time, I had that peace that I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And I rejoiced in that. I can say that that night was one of the most glorious times of my life. The Easter Vigil was beautiful. I was confirmed and received in the church, but the climactic point was when I went up to receive Holy Communion. The anticipation had been building for quite a while since I'd come to believe in the Real Presence. And that night, I came forward, ripe with emotions, knelt down, 
and receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, thanking God that he would invite me to the table and come into my life in such a profound way. At that moment, I knew I was home. Even though coming to the Catholic Church came at great cost, in fact, ostracized me from some family and friends, it was well worth it to be with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. What I had to give up in becoming Catholic was made up for plus more than what I gained in the richness of the Catholic faith. After my reception into the church that Easter, I tied up loose ends with the missionary organization, contacted my financial prayer supporters, let them know the news, and I started looking to the future. People reacted in many different ways to the news. Uh, Some were reluctantly supportive. Others openly criticized my decision to become Catholic. But the most difficult reactions were those who remained silent or made assumptions about my decision without ever talking to me about it. It was especially hard to hear those who assumed I merely did this for Anna. From the outside looking in, most people explained my becoming Catholic away as something like, you know, he fell in love with a Catholic girl, he probably isn't thinking straight, he just did this for her. Attached to this was the difficult silence. Most people just said nothing. The fact that I was now Catholic was always the elephant in the room when talking with them. And rarely would someone ask me, so why did you become Catholic? I had very little opportunity to ever explain myself. Furthermore, many assumed that I had thrown out everything in my Protestant upbringing to become Catholic, and I embraced this totally new faith. But in becoming Catholic, I didn't throw all that away. In fact, I'm still very thankful for my upbringing. I look at it as I've come to a fuller understanding and experience of Christianity. As a Protestant, I'd come to know and love Jesus Christ, for which I'm grateful, and also come to know and appreciate the scriptures. I didn't lose those things when I became Catholic. Rather, I came to a deeper, more profound relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the Bible. So I'm thankful for my Protestant upbringing, but I'm also very thankful that the Lord has led me to the fullness of the faith in the Catholic Church. And I look forward to spending the rest of my life exploring all that that the faith has to offer. So to fill in some gaps with the story, uh, soon after becoming Catholic, I had the opportunity to explore the faith in a deeper way by pursuing graduate studies. I was accepted at the University of St. Thomas up in Minnesota uh, for a master's degree in theology. So I pursued that rather than my original plan to go to Protestant seminary. And that summer, July of 2011, Anna and I were married, and we started our life together, and I started learning about the faith and experiencing the faith all the more. And I found that the more I studied the Catholic, the Catholic theology during my graduate studies, the more I became convinced of the truth of Catholicism. We have a very deep and rich faith. Well, I finished my master's degree last summer, 2013, and I've been given the opportunity to serve the church as the Adult Faith Formation Director here at St. Joseph. So we moved down from the Twin Cities here to Marion and very much enjoying our lives here and continue to have the opportunity to explore the richness of our faith, to learn and grow along the way. Looking back now uh, through this journey 
I've discovered more fully the goodness of God. I've learned that his will is always best, and I'm thankful I was open enough to listen to it. I never would have expected that I would become Catholic. In fact, it was probably one of the last things on my radar. But I think God is often in the business of surprises. My unexpected journey to Catholicism certainly had its ups and downs, but I will never regret it. I've learned that following God's will is the best way to live. It doesn't always come easily, though. In fact, much of the time, following God's will involves hardship and suffering, sacrifice. But that's because God's way is the way of the cross. The difficulties along the way only prove to strengthen my relationship with Christ. And I have to say, I love being Catholic. I'm thankful the Lord has led me to the fullness of the faith, even if I was kicking and screaming a bit along the way. He got through eventually, and I'm forever grateful that God has led me here. So looking back now, I would, I would describe my journey as an unexpected love story. I fell in love with Anna, and through her I became exposed to the Catholic Church. Getting to know the Church, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Catholic faith, and as a result, more deeply in love with Jesus Christ. Like any love story, my journey had many ups and downs. It was painful at times, but also very fulfilling. And ultimately, my relationship with Christ and his church has brought great joy and peace in my life. I'm forever grateful that the Lord has led me here to the Catholic Church. And by his grace, I hope and pray that my relationship with Christ and his church will continue to grow into eternity. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.